this is Mike Stranks introducing this CMS Audio Mission Prayer Focus for November 2012. As usual, we'll be finding out more about the work of three CMS Mission Partners and using what we've heard to inform our prayers. This month, we start by meeting Beryl Baker, who's been serving in the Chaco region of Paraguay since the late 1970s. When Beryl met Jeremy Woodham recently, they had a wide-ranging conversation touching on the huge range of experiences that Beryl has had during her extended time in Paraguay. But it's always the encounters with people that have the greatest significance. Jeremy asked Beryl to tell him about some of the people whose lives have been touched. Well, one example is a carpenter who's been working at the ranch next door for... 60 years and he was a nominal Catholic uh, but had no Bible teaching. We went in there, I went in to teach Sunday school the Indian, to the Indian children and many of the non-Indians would come into the village and just listen. Then we went into the non-Indian community and this man came along and he was blind drunk Actually, he was rolling on the ground in front of the, the person who was preaching the simple gospel message. But from that moment onwards, when other people went in to preach, he invited them into his home. He was still drinking very heavily, but there was a seed sown. And now he is converted. He stopped drinking. He goes to church. Um, he has a completely different outlook on life and uh, his family as well. They've all been touched by the Word of God. Another instance is another Indian. He had never permitted his wife to have family planning and she'd had, I think, about ten children and out of the ten, five had died. And it was the surviving baby that was two years old that was brought to me. And this little girl couldn't even sit up and she was very ill. Um, she was taken to a hospital, a Baptist hospital in Asuncion, and made a very good recovery. In the meantime, I'd been working with her mother, teaching her health and hygiene, integrated her into the local Anglican church. She became a Christian. The husband saw the change in his wife, began to ask questions, and eventually he gave his life to the Lord, and now he is on the church council of his local Anglican church complete turnaround. Wonderful. Now, what about the people who come to you? Who are they? Um, there's a mixture of people, so it means I have to speak a mixture of languages. There's three Indian languages, but one is more dominant, the national language Guarani and Spanish. So people of all ages come and uh, all from all different backgrounds. Sometimes the ranchers come themselves, and these are quite wealthy people that they come to me because I'm the nearest person with medicines, and uh, people have built up their confidence in me over so many years. They Do people come. just come for, for medicine? No, 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 they come for help, either advice, counselling, uh, sympathy. Um, sometimes I just sit down with a, a lady who's been beaten, beaten up by her husband, share with her the love of Jesus or if they're just scared they will come and share their problems with me they, they feel free and easy to come for whatever 
need they have. What gives you the, the biggest buzz about what you do? The thing is that, you know, I'm not a doctor. I treat people with what I have, place them in the Lord's hands. I see people get better. Tuberculosis can be cured. I'm working in a place where relatively few people have cancer. And so I see most of the people I treat from beginning to end get better. That is very satisfying. Mm. And it's very satisfying and wonderful to see what Jesus can do in a person's life. Turn it around. Make, truly make them new people. I was going to say, I sense it's, not, it's clearly not just physical health uh, you're interested in. Yes. Well, Jesus comes first and the Gospel comes first and everything else falls into place. Much of Jesus' ministry was with sick people and uh, he healed them and for, in one means or another. Um, he intends people to be healthy. We live in a fallen world and it affects people in many ways. But God's will is for everyone to be healthy and happy and have a relationship with him. Put the relationship right with God and you're halfway there to getting other things put right, no matter what they are. Wise words from Beryl Baker, CMS Associate Mission Partner in the Chaco area of Paraguay. Let's thank God for the lives that have been touched and changed through Beryl's faithful ministry over many years. Let's also pray for Beryl. She has no plans to retire, but aims to go on ministering in the area she's grown to love among the people to whom she shows the love of Jesus. Audio Mission Mark Berry has been serving God as a CMS mission partner in Telford in the UK for seven years. But a few months ago, Mark took on another responsibility as CMS's community mission facilitator. Fair enough, you say, but what does that mean? That's exactly what I thought, so when I met Mark, that's just where I started. Um, I think it, it's primarily about the community which is CMS. CMS itself is now a, an acknowledged community. Um, and so working out what that means, what that looks like for CMS in Oxford, for CMS um, in the UK and for CMS globally, what resources and tools we need to, to build community, what practices we need, what our spiritual practices are. So some of that thinking about what it looks like, trying to make the community invitational. So we want people to be part of what we're doing rather than it to be a stumbling block, but to be something they feel they can come in and begin to shape and, and participate in themselves. Um, that's the community aspect and part of that I think is also to say what is CMS's mission, how does it encourage mission particularly in the UK um, and how does it encourage new forms of mission, some of the new communities and the new projects and the new houses of mission. So it's quite a big role. So that's seven years of active engagement, what do you bring from that into this role in CMS? Um, I think you know, when I came for the interview, one of the things I said was uh, my view of this role is it ought to be a practitioner, somebody who's doing it, somebody who can not only tell other people's stories, but know from their own experience what life is like, what community is like. So I think I bring some practical experience of what community is. Um, I bring a fresh pair of eyes and somebody who's a challenger. And I think I also bring a passion for sharing Jesus in, in the world that we live in today and the reality of that experience. That fresh pair of eyes what have they seen? I think I've seen a CMS which really wants to wrestle with 
the world that we're in, with the challenges for global and local mission. I think I've seen a CMS which uh, doesn't want to, to rest on its laurels as an old mission agency and just fade away. I think I've seen that desire to change and to keep working for the kingdom globally, um, but also to be thinking much more about how it engages in mission, in resourcing and supporting mission and doing mission in, in the UK and Europe. And that really excites me. And I think also I've seen a CMS that wants to be engaged in the church as a whole and, and reshaping and refounding the church for mission in this new context and, and simply to be in the new context. What do you think your priorities are, say, over the next six months? My key priorities, I think, are looking at how we do community and how we invite people into community and, and how we make it something which is creative and life-giving to individuals, to churches, to members, to mission partners, mission associates, looking at how all these connect and we all see ourselves as part of a great story of mission and a great fellowship of mission rather than people with specific roles or specific titles or specific networks but saying actually no, how are we whole? Um, how do we connect more locally? Uh, crossing some of those um, you know th those uh, boundaries and those labels so how do members connect with new mission communities connect with retired mission partners who bring all that wisdom and experience of mission and how do we resource each other um, you know it's it, there's a lot I've yet to work out um, but it feels like there's a big job and what I'm hearing a lot from people within CMS is CMS over the last few years has come, come up with some great work and great papers on community and mission, some fantastic theology and missiology. But what that needs is grounding and people saying, what does that look like? How do I do that? How do I connect? Uh, and I think that's probably my biggest challenge is to, to make this real for people. So what would you like us to be praying for you in your new role? I think this is a, this is a new, a big part of this is a new experience for me. and and. Um, working in an office but also a lot of travel um, for me in, in that experience for my family as, as we sort of enter a new phase of what we're doing for what we're doing in Telford because that's still high up on my priorities in, in terms of what God's doing and how he's leading us and I think really for CMS to to be able and to take the risks to step closer together that that to me I think is the key thing and, and how we do that and how we do it in a way which embraces and draws people in rather than feeling people feeling like they're shut out or they can't do things I think there are massive challenges and obviously at this moment in time our new executive community leader is a, is a crucial um, that person who provides that storytelling the, the chief storytelling officer that as I like to think of it the CSO not the CEO um, they and, and setting vision and working together with vision so I think that's for me that's probably the big thing as I start new with all the changes going on you know for some some clear sense of the way that we move forward so not only can we take the opportunity to pray for Mark and the things he's asked us to but it's also a good opportunity to pray for the new executive leader of CMS, the Reverend Canon Philip Mount Stephen, as he settles into his new role. Audio mission. If you're of a certain age and of a certain upbringing like me, then the topic of female genital mutilation is something you'd probably rather avoid. But it's a serious and ongoing problem in parts of the world, especially in Africa. And one of CMS's mission partners has felt a call specifically to work in this area to help educate and to transform. 
Anne-Marie Wilson spoke to Jeremy Woodham about her work and began by explaining just why she'd wanted to get involved. I think the fact that even in my general knowledge, by the fact that I'd almost come across no one of the other agency standing against it at that time was noteworthy. I didn't really know much about the practice and I thought if I don't know and I'm quite well read and quite well rounded, then I thought then must be others who don't know. I think that's one aspect. I think the other was it did just seem to be a particular human rights issue that in modern day time, 2,000 years after a practice had been started, it was still alive and kicking and it seemed to be something that was really a core justice issue that people needed to stand against and I think the church is good at potentially standing against things that seemed like a modern day slavery issue. Now yes you didn't know much about it can you fill people in who also haven't heard much about it? I think it's a little bit horrifying so if people bear with me I'm certainly happy to share. I think in essence this is a practice that goes back pre-Islam pre-Christianity. It's not required in any holy text, although Christians, Jews and Muslims all practice it in some places, particularly Ethiopia, where all three faith-based groups do. But it's convenient to do to girls to prove chastity on marriage. So it's often done to girls either days old or weeks old or at five years old, which the Somalis do. Or it can be done at puberty, but before marriage to prove a girl is chaste or sometimes it can be done up to the extent of at marriage or at first childbirth. How widespread is this? Well extraordinarily it happens in about 40 countries around the world, 28 of those are in Africa which is the, the continent I've decided to focus on. Also it's done in what's called often diaspora communities which are the countries where people from Africa or other countries settle and make their permanent home. And of those 28 countries, the range is between 5% and 99%, but about 14 of those 28 countries have over 50% of their females are have this practice, female genital mutilation, or FGM. Wow, so in terms of numbers, it affects um, a huge millions of people. Yes, in fact, 3 million a year. Um, and in, in fact it's not even a practice that's limited just to Africa. In Britain here where I'm based, even if I don't live here all the time, we, we think there's probably 3,000 a year girls are either cut on British soil or taken out of the country and brought back in in the long summer holidays and that's the same in Australia and America as well. And are you working with African people who are also standing uh, up on this issue? I decided the best way to start was to benchmark countries and to probably start with four to six a year and do an internal country mapping dealt, led by an African person in country and an out of country secondary research done by uh, an academic person in anywhere in the Western world really that had a good library and an internet connection and then put those two together and then having made a country profile by merging those two reports to then start sharing that with the contacts and then build countries into a cluster of three to make a small cluster which would be then merged next to another three who would form a regional hub and then in time people in that country would be able to have regional conferences to see what was working, what wasn't working. And the final question is just to ask you to really say why this is a job for a mission partner with CMS. 
sharing Jesus, changing lives? Well, I, cha I share my faith all the time. I've gone into working in, in Muslim and Islamic countries, really stronghold countries. The matron at the fistula hospital in Nigeria said to me one day, how old are you? And I told her and she said, you know, she thought I was about 15, 20 years younger than that, which was very flattering, but normally a woman of my age would be married off with her husband and children and, and all sorts, really. And I wasn't. And she said, you know, where's your father? Where's your husband? Where's your brother? Where's your uncle? Where are your nephews and children? And I said, I haven't got any of these. And she said, that's very sad. And I said, well, I have Prophet Isa, Lord Jesus, in my heart, so I'm never alone. So I actually feel um, I've got everything I need in life, really. And this went into a massive debate. And she talked about having gone to a missionary school as a child. She started singing the hymns, which is unheard of in an Islamic state. My view is that evangelism is about integral mission. It's about good deeds and good knowledge of the the love of Jesus and sharing the gospel and you, you know, either one without the other is absolutely useless and to be able to do both I think is about your lifestyle as well and I think it's about having Jesus's compassion for the lost the broken the hurt out of Isaiah 60 odd and actually that's what actually helps other people come to faith and to learn more about Christianity and I think I'm sowing seeds and watering them even if I'm not seeing massive amount of Muslims come to faith. Let's pray for Anne-Marie in what is a demanding role where she faces many challenges. The practice of female genital mutilation is deep-rooted in some communities and the task that Anne-Marie has set herself before God inevitably means that she encounters conflict and opposition. Pray for her safety, for her spiritual refreshment and that she will find faithful companions with whom she can share and work in this specialised ministry. Audio mission. Katie Jenkinson, CMS's Speaking Engagement Administrator, is here with a reflection on what we've heard in this month's Prayer Focus. Anne-Marie Wilson talks about the importance of faith in action. As we participate in God's mission for the world as individuals and a community, we may often feel like Jesus' disciples, faced with a crowd of 5,000 people with only five loaves and two fishes to feed them. But God's blessing can make great that which was small. The things that make a difference often start in small ways. Just from trusting in God and being obedient to living life the way he wants us to. Anne-Marie talks about building up a strategy to raise awareness of female genital mutilation from one or two individuals, country by country, until awareness can be raised across entire regions. Likewise, Beryl talks about the way in which faithfully ministering in Sunday school and sharing the love of Jesus in a medical and advisory capacity led to people knowing Jesus and living transformed, healthier lives. Each prayer we pray, each deed we do for God, each way we speak as ambassadors for Christ makes a difference. One small difference at a time, building in the end to make a big difference to people and the world. Like a pebble thrown into a pond, our prayers, words and acts cause ripples and make a greater difference than we can understand or know. The kingdom of heaven works like this, says Jesus. From one small mustard seed to a mighty tree. The work is not ours, it is God's. Each prayer, each action, each word 
when submitted to God, a part of his great plan for the world. As Paul writes in Ephesians 3 verse 21, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. And that reflection concludes our CMS Audio Mission Prayer Focus for November 2012. Thanks for joining me, Mike Stranks, but thanks especially for your prayers for CMS, its leaders and its mission partners.